Hello, and welcome to this Tiburon News Podcast. I am Bill Gricko. Today I'd like to talk about something that's a little obscure, but something that I feel is very relevant in the potential developments of this presidential election. As I'm sure most of you are aware, the former Secretary of State and current Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton is under investigation by the FBI once again for her role in the deletion of either 33,000 or 650,000 State Department emails, most of which have just been found on a laptop that belongs to former Congressman Anthony Weiner and his estranged wife, Uma Abedin, who is one of Mrs. Clinton's closest personal advisors. Now, the content of these emails is unknown at this point to the public. The FBI is, of course, continuing to conduct its investigation, and I anticipate the FBI will be handing out some sort of recommendation to the Justice Department in due course uh, regarding what should be done with Mrs. Clinton and her handling of this information, because we are led to believe that a lot of the information contained in those emails is classified information. Compounding that problem is the fact that Anthony Weiner does not have a security clearance, so his possession of that email information is already illegal, but the manner in which he received that information is also in question, because if Hillary Clinton was involved in the transference of that information to his computer, she is of course also culpable in whatever legal proceedings in terms of indictments are handed out as a result of this. However, this has brought up a very interesting question with regard to the presidential line of succession and what happens if Hillary Clinton is elected. The Constitution in Article 1, where it lays out the affairs of the House and Senate, the Congress, collectively, it talks about how the Senate has the sole power of impeachment. Now, impeachment applies to federal officials who are currently in office. So this applies to presidents, vice presidents, Supreme Court justices, offices of that nature. However, that does not apply to somebody who has been elected to a federal office but has not yet begun to serve in that capacity. We talk about the office of the president-elect a lot at this time of year because only once every four or eight years is that office occupied, and in the space of less than a week that office will become occupied by either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. However, we have never run into a situation in which a president-elect is unfit or unqualified to serve as the president of the United States. Regardless of the fact that we've never run into this problem, the Constitution actually has an answer, and it lies in the 20th Amendment, passed on the 23rd of January, 1933. Now, this is a constitutional provision that is pretty obscure, and as I've said, I've not heard anybody talk about it so far in the lead-up to the election. However, the questions that arise in terms of what happens if Hillary Clinton is indicted, what happens if, I don't know, we're at the inauguration and the FBI says, wait a second, stop, we have a problem, but she still hasn't taken office, what happens? Who's president? The 20th Amendment provides the answer to this. And the answer is as follows. In Section 3 of Amendment 20, it reads, If, at the time fixed for the beginning of the term of the president, the president-elect shall have died, the vice-president-elect shall become president. Now, that's pretty clear. If a president-elect dies between the time of having been elected and the time of inauguration, that person's running mate, the vice-president, 
then becomes the president. That's very, very clear, and I think that's something that most people have been able to divine by themselves. The amendment continues, If a president shall not have been chosen before the time fixed for the beginning of his term, or if the president-elect shall have failed to qualify, then the vice president-elect shall act as president until a president shall have qualified. Okay, so this is where things start to get a little flaky. So if a president shall not have been chosen before the time fixed for the beginning of his term. So that means if there has not been an election before the 20th of January, or if for some reason that election was contested. Remember Bush v. Gore in 2000, where we went on for about a month before we started to see really who the president was going to be, before the Supreme Court said to the state of Florida, yeah, you just can't keep counting, this is ridiculous. And obviously that handed the presidency to George W. Bush. But until that point, we were being set up for a situation as is being described in Section 3 of the 20th Amendment, if a president shall not have been chosen before the time fixed for the beginning of his term. So we've been there before with Bush v. Gore in 2000. However, the clause continues, or if the president-elect shall have failed to qualify. Now this is where the juicy part is. Falling under federal indictment disqualifies somebody for holding public office. That's a fact. If Hillary Clinton is indicted after having been elected president, under that condition, she is no longer qualified to serve as president. This is important because the Constitution says if you fail to qualify, you can't be president. And then it says the vice president-elect shall act as president until a president shall have qualified so this is very interesting in terms of the wording. It's quite ambiguous. So if a president-elect fails to qualify, in other words, falls under federal indictment in this case, the vice president-elect shall act as president until a president shall have qualified. So what that means for our purposes is this. If Hillary Clinton is elected and then indicted, Tim Kaine becomes the acting president-elect. However, Tim Kaine does not become the president necessarily. If Tim Kaine is the acting president-elect on the 20th of January at 12 noon, then Tim Kaine becomes the 45th president of the United States. However, the amendment goes on. President until a president shall have qualified. So the vice president-elect acts as the president-elect until a president shall have qualified, and the Congress may by law provide for the case wherein neither a president-elect nor a vice president-elect shall have qualified, declaring who shall then act as president, or the manner in which one who is to act shall be selected. So in other words, if Hillary wins and Hillary is indicted, Tim Kaine becomes acting president-elect. However, this does not necessarily mean that Tim Kaine becomes the president. At this point, the Congress, the entire Congress, the House and the Senate, has the right to determine whether or not Tim Kaine actually will become president. And if they decide that he shall not become president, if they decide that he, too, is no longer qualified to be vice president or president, then the Congress as a whole in a joint session 
has the authority to say, no, Mr. Cain, you are no longer the vice president-elect either. So the Congress has the authority to declare the manner in which one, a president who is to act, shall be selected, and such person shall act accordingly until a president or vice president shall have qualified. And that's where the clause ends at the end of Section 3 of Article 20. So basically, we're setting ourselves up for the biggest turmoil that we've seen since the start of the Civil War, politically speaking anyway, should Hillary Clinton win the presidency and then be indicted. Hillary Clinton would be disqualified. Tim Kaine could be disqualified as well, depending on what the Congress rules. And somebody who is not Hillary Clinton or Tim Kaine would become the president. The Constitution does not go into who that somebody necessarily has to be. It doesn't necessarily have to be Donald Trump. It doesn't necessarily have to be Jill Stein or Gary Johnson. It doesn't necessarily have to be anybody who has even been running for president. Strictly speaking, as far as the Constitution goes, anybody who is at least 35 years old, a natural-born citizen of the United States, and has lived in the United States for 14 years, is eligible to serve as president. What this means is anybody, any U.S. citizen, who meets those requirements could theoretically get a call from Washington and be told, hey, you've been selected to be the 45th president of the United States. Come down here right now, Mr. President. Of course, this situation, that would not happen. However, it's theoretically possible according to the Constitution. What's important to remember here, though, is this. The person who would become president in the event of Hillary Clinton being indicted is not likely to be somebody for whom the people have voted. If we look at the presidential line of succession, obviously we have the president, we have the vice president, and then third in line is the Speaker of the House. What's interesting to note is that in other cases of a contested election, let's say neither candidate reaches 270 electoral votes, or there is some sort of contention otherwise, the House of Representatives is the body and the sole body that determines the outcome of that election. In that House proceeding, all of the congressmen, they, they gather in session, and each state delegation gets one vote. That's how that happens. So proportional representation is out the window, and each state gets one vote. It's very similar in that case to how the Senate actually operates, each state having two representatives in the Senate. Each state gets one vote in that proceeding in the event of a contested election. So what this means is somebody from the House is quite likely to be president in the event that Hillary Clinton is disqualified. The House is Republican-controlled, and normally this would mean that, well, probably Paul Ryan as Speaker of the House would become President of the United States. Also, what it would normally mean is that the House could also select, because according to Article 20, they can select anybody they want, it would mean that the House would be likely to select Donald Trump to be President. However, this election has certainly demonstrated that the Republican Party is far from unified. And many Republicans, quite prominent ones, such as Senator John McCain, have come out saying that they will not support Donald Trump. And of course, we all remember the drama that Paul Ryan stirred up when it came to him finally throwing it out there saying, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm going to support Donald Trump after all. Well, 
these divisions could come to a head once again in a proceeding such as this. And Donald Trump, I would say, is not likely to be chosen as the president should the Congress have to act in a manner according to Amendment 20. This problem then becomes, do the Republicans' divisions keep them from carrying out their constitutional duties? Do we basically run into a situation where we have a divided government, but not between the two houses, but within the one house where nobody can come to agreement in terms of who the president should be? Would this completely gridlock the government? It's entirely possible. It would be the biggest political upheaval, as I said before, since the beginning of the Civil War, I would say. And because the Republicans are so divided, I don't think they have the capacity to carry out this Amendment 20 duty should they be called upon to do it. So... Ultimately, the takeaway from this should be, let's hope Donald Trump wins. And by looking at the latest poll numbers, it seems to be that he is gaining a lot of momentum. Again, this investigation into Hillary Clinton certainly helping him out here. But I also believe that there's going to be quite the groundswell of support from silent voters in in favor of Donald Trump on November 8th. Because obviously, it is very unpopular to support Donald Trump at this point. There is a lot of ridicule in store for anybody who publicly supports Donald Trump, as we've seen in the media and particularly on social media. It's absolutely atrocious. But when push comes to shove and people go into the ballot box, I think you're going to see a whole lot more votes for Donald Trump than what we have seen before. And hopefully we'll be avoiding this invocation of Amendment 20 altogether via a Trump victory. However, in the event that Hillary does win... We could well run into a situation where she falls under federal indictment, and then, of course, we have the problem of, well, she's unqualified to be president. Congress, now you have to pick who the president is going to be. That person would not be somebody who was elected by the people. It probably wouldn't be Donald Trump either. So we could be in for some very interesting times indeed if these indictment proceedings continue for Hillary Clinton and if she should happen to win the presidency next week it would be something absolutely unheard of in the history of the United States i will stop short though of calling it a constitutional crisis simply because the constitution's actually fairly specific in terms of the procedures that have to be followed the congress has to select a president that's pretty clear. And there are other constitutional situations where a body of the Congress, so the House of Representatives, has the duty to select a president in other cases of a contested election. So this isn't something in and of itself that is unprecedented or even that scary in a constitutional standpoint because the Constitution, like I said, there are multiple provisions where the Congress or the House of Representatives in particular does have a say in the outcome of an election. But Amendment 20 has never been invoked before. So we have ourselves the makings of something that would be unprecedented and unbelievably interesting, to put it lightly, in terms of the political landscape of the country. So that is my assessment of what could happen if Hillary Clinton is elected and then indicted. Again, to recap, if she is indicted as president-elect, that disqualifies her to serve as president, which then means that Tim Kaine could become the president, or if the Congress were to determine that Tim Kaine is also ineligible to be president, the Congress could select somebody else or they could order that a new presidential election be held. 
So that is the lay of the land as far as the Constitution goes. It is, it's a little bit of a scary situation, but it goes to show that when you go and you try to push the limits of the Constitution, it still has an answer for you, even in these wildly unforeseen circumstances such as this. So, if anything, I think it really speaks to the integrity of the Constitution as a document, and even though I am reading from an amendment to the Constitution, when you consider that the Constitution has only been amended, amended 27 times. We're still pretty much dealing with a document from 1789, and it still works. And even when you push its boundaries, it has an answer, and it remains firm. So, if anything, I think this speaks to the intelligence of the founders and the integrity of this document. So, hopefully, we don't run into a situation where we have to have the Congress determining who the next president is going to be. But if we do, Amendment 20, read it for yourselves. It goes into detail about what the Congress has to do in this circumstance. Amendment 20 is there to be activated should we need it. I hope that you all found this interesting, and uh, I'm glad to get back into podcasting. Hopefully uh, this one does well. And of course, keep checking us out, Tiburon News on Facebook. We have all of our latest posts up there. And, of course, the WordPress site as well, new articles going up, and commentary, news, anything you want, all the news you never knew you needed, all in one place, Tiburon News. Do check us out if you have not already. I am Bill Gricko. Thank you very much for listening.